Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we've got an extra special episode where we're covering the Workplace Health Report of 2022. Now this report's been downloaded by thousands of people, it's already top ranking for employee wellbeing statistics on Google, and we're hoping that it's going to be informing public policy and practice and wellbeing strategies all across the globe. Now I'm joined today by Laura Dallas, our head of product. Laura is a self-confessed data geek and helped pull together all of the hundreds of thousands of data points into one meaningful report. Laura has had five years of experience working as a psychologist in the NHS and will be able to talk through how we compiled the report and what it means to society going forwards. If you'd like to download the report, then please go onto Champion Health in the Insights page and you can access it there. Welcome to today's session. Hello, Laura, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on the podcast again. No, no, yeah, double time. I think you're the first person to achieve two times on the podcast, so congratulations on that. (laughs) And I'd also want to just congratulate you and the rest of the team for publishing this report because it's been downloaded by thousands of people. Um, It's had a huge reaction on social media. It's already ranking top on Google for employee wellbeing statistics. It's going to look to potentially inform public policy um, practice going forwards. How does that make you feel, first of all? Oh, excited. (laughs) Slightly nervous. Um, I mean, I'm just a data geek at heart. So that's, um, yeah, understanding the data was really what it was all about for me. Um, But then obviously being able to translate that into action and have that impact is also so important for for us, for for our organisations that we work with, obviously the wider um, yeah, the wide people as well. And I think that was the first thing of why we did this um, was to just share best practice. And I think data is really hard to come by in the well-being space, and it's very fragmented at the moment. And this is probably the first report I've seen that brings all of it together. So, could you just summarise a bit more around the report, what it includes um, for our listeners that may have read it or they may be reading it after this? Yeah, so super, super high level. Um, The report that we pulled together covers five main areas of health and they're the key aspects that jumped out to us in terms of the data that we collected. Um, The data itself, just before I get going on that, was um, gathered from over 2,000 employees in the... um, from our clients in all different sorts of sectors um, on all of their data was fully anonymized and then aggregated to produce the report that we have. So the key areas that we focused on were mental health, mental well-being. Um, we have stress, uh, performance and productivity, MSK health and then behavior change as well. So those were when we were going through the data points, those were the key aspects that were jumping out to us. And I guess as a headline, there are lots of results in there, um, pages and pages, thousands of data points that we were looking through. But I think as a really high level summary, what I get from it is that actually our employees are really tired. <laughs> they're, they're tired, they're, they're low in energy, and actually that is then having a knock-on effect on every area of health, whether that's your mental health, your physical health, um, your productivity and performance. Um, it's really having that wide-reaching effect. When we look at the data, when we've asked employees what's impacting your productivity, 53% said tiredness. 
and that's mm. almost twice as high as the next highest one of high stress. And yeah. so that's fascinating data. And again, the report goes into all of the action. Unfortunately, we've only got 12 minutes today. So <laughs> um, you can review the live session as well. That's um, on the Insights page of the Champion website. But what were the challenges with the data? Because there's so much data that we actually left out of it in the end yeah. um, that could have been yeah. included. It could have been a 500-page novel almost um, going through all of the data points. So was that one of the biggest challenges? Was there anything else as well you experienced? Yeah, it was it was definitely choosing because, as you say, there was a lot of data to go through in um, with our health assessment where we um, where employees have the chance to answer these questions for us to collect this data. There are so many different questions covering all areas of well-being. So actually, when you get into the nitty gritty and start cross correlating it and seeing the relationship between findings, there are some really interesting bits that came up, which actually I didn't expect. And I don't think a lot of team expected Um for example, the differences in young employees' experiences in the workplace uh, versus their older counterparts. So we particularly found this pattern in mental health um, and in financial well-being as well, that actually those in the younger age brackets are struggling more with their mental well-being. I think that's just that's really enlightening for us in thinking, well, how can we engage that population um, in a different way, perhaps? And when it comes to the data, obviously, lots of it within the report, really insightful. We've had people say that it's helped build their own well-being strategy off the back of it. Um, what's your favourite piece of data being the data or self-confessed data nerd that you uh, you say you are? <laughs> Great question. Um, I think I think my favourite piece of data, just because it's so beautiful, is the graph around mental well-being and self-rated productivity levels. So we've already hinted at how actually um, different areas of health are impacting productivity. Of course, tiredness is one aspect, but mental well-being is also another. And we really saw this in the relationship between the two. So the graph, you'll have to have a look at the graph in the report. I don't know what page it is. Um, towards the end of the report, but it's a perfect relationship where you can see if you are experiencing low levels of mental well-being, then you are also more likely to experience low productivity and then vice versa. So if you're experiencing high levels of mental well-being, you've got good mental well-being, then your productivity and performance is more likely to be better. So I think that just beautifully illustrates our whole business, our whole uh, mission is that actually well-being is the bedrock for performance. So it is very much a business issue and needs to be treated as such. I completely agree. And for um, anyone that wants to go to that specific page, it's page 27 um, that you can access. And the graph is just perfect, isn't it, in illustrating yeah. that. And it almost couldn't be made up within there. And, uh, and mm -hmm. as you say, it really underpins that business case that so many organisations, and rightly so, need to be able to invest in well-being going forwards. What would you say is the data that surprised you as well? Because there are quite a few elements that surprised mm -hmm. me and were very new to me and new to the well-being space. Um, what was the bit that really surprised you? Yeah, I think for me, the bit that surprised me was MSK Health. Um, it's something which we don't often talk about. I know we spoke a lot about this in the live session that we did yesterday. Um, and actually, it's something that is quite overlooked, but is affecting a large amount of people. Um, is it nearly 60% of individuals were experiencing current 
MSK health pain when they completed this assessment. Um, and that naturally is also having an impact on productivity. Um, and the other aspect of, mental, of MSK health that really surprised me was the difference between office workers and home workers. So actually, it appears from the data that home workers are faring much worse in terms of their MSK health. Um, there's lots of reasons that, that, that could be uh, that could explain that we dive into a few of them in the report. But what we do know is that actually people whilst at work and particularly at home are sitting for very long periods of time. And it's that sedentary behaviour which is seemingly contributing to this rise of, of MSK pain. Um, so for me, it just really highlights that even though if you have a remote workforce doesn't mean that you don't need to think about their desk setup or their uh, desk assessments, um, making things comfortable, but also that movement. So thinking of ways to get people up and moving during the day. Um, like you mentioned, uh, walking meetings is a fantastic example of just keeping people's bodies moving in an otherwise sedentary environment. And I found that data fascinating as well. And I think you're twice as likely from the data um, to be experiencing back pain, neck pain yeah. um, than if you're in working from home than if you're in the office. And that's fascinating yeah. because yeah. we know, again, MSK ties into mental health. There's a lot of, of data course. around that as well. And yeah. these things don't sit in silo. Um, and in terms of what's next in terms of the next report, what do you forecast um, across the, the next year or so for the changes to be made um, within health and wellbeing and within workplace health? Yeah, well, even though I was quite shocked by the results at the beginning, actually, as I was moving through the data into the behaviour change aspect and actually, OK, what do people want to do about this? It was really reassuring that actually employees most of them, the vast majority, 94%, are motivated to make a change. So I'm actually quite hopeful um, that the issues that we've identified will be able to be worked on and addressed uh, by individuals themselves, so on an individual level, but also at an organisation level as well. But I think it's just a bit of a caveat to that is that we have to recognise the barriers and we talk about this in the report as well. So making sure that we are creating space for that change to happen, because it's one thing for people to be motivated and you know to really want to improve their sleep or get active um, or improve their mental health. But actually, if they don't have the capacity to do that, if they don't have the time, if they don't have the resources, the confidence, then actually that's going to hinder them and behaviour change just won't happen. So I think going forward, we really, organisations really need to think about how we enable that and address those barriers um, that are stopping people from making these changes, which will have such a positive impact on productivity as well. I think that's forgotten with a lot of workplace health interventions that the goal is behaviour change. It's changing oh, yeah. behaviours for good um, mm. and in a really positive way. And again, looking at what employees want, looking at what they need, mm. those two don't always marry up. But again, in the report, energy levels is what people want to improve and what they need to improve from the data. But then also, how can you build in the interventions, the initiatives, the environment to overcoming those barriers? And that is the golden goose when it comes to workplace health. So, Laura, thank you so much for being wonderful, for being the self-confessed data nerd and for publishing this report. <laughs> um, I can't wait to see next year's already. I'm really excited yes. for it. 
Um, but thank you very much for, for joining us on today's session. And I'm sure I'll just see you later uh, in the office at some point. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.